<laughs> Good morning. <laughs> hey, I want to give a shout out to Aaron. Where did he go? He just, oh, Aaron. Must be catching. I think I need some too. Um, Aaron turned 24 this week, and I just wanted to give him a shout out. He's gone out for water. All right. <laughs> I had a riot this week at St. Peter's Church on Tuesday evening. Um, mass started at thanks for those that came and, and helped support and just watch a beautiful, beautiful. Hey, Aaron. I just wanted to give you a shout out, and everybody wants to say happy birthday. Is that okay if everybody says happy birthday to you? Yeah, all right. Let's put our hands together. <laughs> okay, dude, it's over now. Yeah, what a beautiful community of faith at St. Peter's. Uh, Father Matt is doing such an amazing job uh, there, and uh, they had a worship team. Um, there was only one song I didn't know, um, and songs like ours, and just heartfelt worship, and I uh, went for the Mass at 6, went from 6 to 6.30, and at 6.30, uh, the worship team came up, and uh, wow, and, and just to watch people, I mean, they didn't lift their hands up over their head, but they had them about here, and their eyes intently closed, and what I was blessed by was just what I felt almost like a childlike curiosity as they explore the things of God. And I asked how many of you have done um, the Alpha course, and we use um, Alpha actually here. We don't call it Alpha um, because it has a context uh, for many different things, but we found, we call it Seeds because we find it so, yeah, we find it so amazingly effective to follow up uh, people's faith uh, once they've indicated on a Sunday, hey, I'd like to take my next step and become a Christian. And so we encourage people to take seeds. And if you've not done that, you really want to do that. And it culminates with a, uh, a couple of meetings where we introduce you, after we introduce you to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit and uh, to have Holy Spirit infilling. And so I asked, how many, how many here are, and I mean three quarters of the room put their hand out um, and you talk with people after, and they've been experiencing Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, who knew? Uh, just, just amazing. Uh, and so uh, let's uh, continue just to take away some, some of our predetermined ideas, maybe if you've been around Christianity for a while, of who God blesses and who God doesn't. Um, I think God's heart is open to whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be. Yeah, yeah. Last week, just before I started the service, um, felt like there were a couple of things the Lord wanted to do. We call it the word of knowledge, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, where you can't know something unless God tells you, and it just kind of lifts our faith and helps us believe. And I felt like God wanted to heal some people, and uh, specifically arthritis, and I was moving my hand because I kind of felt like there was some arthritic conditions in the hand. And uh, Sherry, who's just a beautiful lady that got water baptized um, at Mother's Day, came to see me this morning. She goes, you know when you said that? Uh-huh. She said, it was instant. It was gone. I'm trying to make it come back. And I've been squeezing my hands all week. And just wave at us, Sherry. She's at the back there. And just thank God for healing today. God heals. God reveals so that he can heal. She said, I just feel like I want to get up and run around. You could do that if you want to. I mean, <laughs> 
All right, last week uh, we set up this series by laying down some understanding on the house of God, which is the local church. We are strong believers that it's important, and God has a plan for his house. He said in the, to the prophet of Isaiah, uh, when the world's religions and, and men try to put God in a box, God was in a box once, it was called the Ark of the Covenant, and uh, he's never been in a box since. Uh, he allowed it for a season and for a purpose in the Old Testament to mark his presence amongst his people. But God can't be placed in a box, and he can't be placed in a house. God has a plan for his own house. It's God's house. Say God's house. We're in God's house today. God has a plan for his local church. And so he said to the prophet Isaiah, uh, heaven is my throne and earth's my footstool. And he asks the question, what kind of house could you ever build for me? And the answer is that man cannot build and should not build its own systems of religion or its own, our own understanding of what God wants, but seek the will of God and seek the scriptures as to God's plan. We looked at uh, God's, God's um the verse to Moses, we're to set up the house according to his plan. I took some time to establish the importance of local church, that it's God's eternal plan. It's not plan B. We're not waiting for something in Jerusalem um, to happen to mark the end of the age. The end of the age is clearly marked by the outpouring of his Holy Spirit in his church, and it's his church that's on the earth that'll gather in uh, people in this hour. God's using his house as the gate of heaven, that was important as we looked at Jacob. The gate, the portal, the opening of heaven. God deals with the earth through his church, through the, uh, the, local, the local church. It's a place where God's presence, his power, and his promises are, and they're available to all. And then when Jacob woke up and had this revelation, he reorientated uh, the rock. It was laying flat as a pillow, and he turned it up on its side, and he said, this is now a pillar. So it went from pillow, which was the name of uh, last week's pillow to pillar. And it was under the, he anointed it with oil, symbolic of, in the New Testament, we're told that we're living stones. We're fit together to make the house of God. And so we talked about attending church. And does that mean we just come for a meeting? No, that we consciously have a revelation of God's love, God's power, his promises. And for uh, some of us, that's a process. But then when it happens and we realize, yes, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be uh, a part of God's house, a member of his family, not an organization, but a part of his family. We reorientate our life, a living stone under the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, and we say, I don't want to be a pillow where I'm just resting in God's house. I want to be active in God's house under the anointing. I want to be able to hold up the purpose of God. How do I do that? I come under the word. I come under uh, a worship as Chris was admonishing us so well a moment ago, and I would encourage the same. And Wow, what a moment as my favorite part of, the, of that worship service when Chelsea just said, oh, well, if you'd like to sing a new song, now would be a good time. And then her vocals just pulled us into the stratosphere. And the Bible says that God dwells in the praises of his people. And that word praise in the Hebrew is tehillah, not tequila. I know we got lots of Mexicans here today and Spanish people, and we love that the Mexicans are moving to Cornwall. Not tequila. It can almost have the same effect, though. Tequila praise is just a spontaneous praise that comes out of our heart, just our heart connecting with God. And God said, I dwell in that kind of praise. And we experienced that. Did you feel that this morning? It just felt like a cloud burst, you know? It was like, like the rain clouds were forming, and then 
his presence so heavy in our midst. And, and so we're saying, I'm taking my life, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to get into the word, and I'm going to be a pillar. I'm going to hold up um, uh, what God's plan is. And so let's just pray this morning as we continue in this series as we're getting ready uh, for our fall season when we go to two services. And uh, we need all hands on deck because we're all in this together. Father, I thank you so much. Lord, that you have a plan for your house. You have a plan for harvest. And Lord, as we continue to move forward in your will, um, that we would do things with excellence. Uh, Lord, we would do things well because you're a God of excellence and you do things well. That we would represent you well to this region. We would represent you well, Lord, to all who are watching online today and here in the room. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said? Amen. So... Is a key scripture for us uh, at Harvest. Or we have lots of favorites, but this is one of our favorites, and it's in Acts chapter 15. And the church is going through some growing pains. It's in its infancy stage uh, in um, Acts as we read about the birthing of the church on the day of Pentecost. But it isn't long before uh, there's some arguments like heated arguments that end up by going to the apostolic council. So the 12 disciples who became the 12 apostles, they added uh, Judas, of course, uh, had killed himself, and they added uh, one to make 12. And the church council is discussing um, some issues because uh, they are trying, some of, the, some of the people that had Jewish background are trying to make Christianity Jewish. Um, yeah, and that spirit is still alive today. There's still a lot of people who are just bent and determined to take people who have no Jewish background whatsoever, uh, like a nationalistic, and God loves Jewish people. And the Bible says pray for, pray for Jerusalem and pray for the Jews. And we do that, but it also says pray for the world because God so loved the... And so um, for whatever reason... Um, and I won't speculate, but I, I think there is some pride involved, and I don't know if it's nationalistic or where its root system is. But there, are, there were people then, and there are people today, trying to make people Jewish before they can be Christians. Um, and that didn't make sense to the Gentile, who is a non-Jewish person, who wouldn't know who Abraham was, Isaac or Jacob. And quite frankly, they don't need to know to be saved. They need to know that there was Jesus <laughs> And that Paul said, we, uh, we agree on Jesus Christ and him crucified, that Jesus went to the cross and was who he said he was because he was born again. He was God. He revealed Father. And he wasn't a Jewish God, but he was a God that did use the Jewish nation, but he is a, he is a, a God for humans. <laughs> and that sounds funny. But, but um, here in the first century, and it's important to what we're doing this morning, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed. So they had become Christians, but they brought their law thinking, uh, we're saved by grace, we're not saved by the law. Uh, no one could uphold the law. And some of the, except Jesus, and some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it's necessary to circumcise them. Meaning non-Jewish men would have to go under the rite of circumcision because somehow that would make them a Christian. And to command them, to keep the law of Moses. Jesus has spent three years teaching an understanding of what the law was and how as Christ followers we would uphold the law, but not, not, not in the spirit of what they're saying the law of Moses. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tight spot and an early spot in, in the church's history, and this could have gone so many different ways. Thankfully, it went the right way because Christianity is not Jewish. Um, 
And as I've alluded, yes, it has, um, it's God worked with a nation. But as we come into the New Testament and as New, New Testament believers, what is most important for us is the understanding of who Jesus is. Say Jesus. It's the right answer in kids' church no matter what. Always say, yeah, never mind. <laughs> so Peter gets up. And they're all kind of, we have an inside, kind of an inside view of this council meeting that got very, the Bible says it got very heated. And Peter gets up and says, hey guys, um, I've been ministering with uh, these Gentile folks and the, the services have been out of this world. God's presence comes in a powerful way. Holy Spirit comes. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, healings. Um, it's just like it is with us. So I'm not sure why we're having this conversation because there's already a demonstration that without the, all of the Jewish background, they're coming to know Jesus and it's literally spreading like wildfire. It's crazy how powerful these meetings and God's presence is, a lot of people getting saved. And that's Peter's story. Um, sorry, God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did us. He made no distinction between us and them. So no distinction between Jew and Gentile. For he cleansed their hearts through faith. That's what, how we get saved. So why are you challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Full stop. Amen. That's how we get saved. Go ahead and thank God for undeserved grace. And then I'm sorry, so it's Paul and Barnabas that start to share, this, not Peter, but Paul and Barnabas to start sharing all the stories uh, in their meetings. Then James, who's probably, so important, not the law. That's, we're not going to preach the law and, and bring people under bondage. We're going to preach grace. We're going to preach grace. And it's important the context that grace is preached in. Grace has a context in which it's to be preached in. And James gets up who's probably the senior leader of the church, kind of has the final say and says, here's what we're going to do. And, he, and the reason he does it is he has, by, by quickening of the Holy Spirit, a scripture, and this is the scripture that we love so much at Harvest. He has a scripture out of the book of Amos when Amos was prophesying, and James goes, oh, that's what Amos meant. That's for today. When Amos prophesied all those years ago, he was prophesying about this. This It would come into fruition in this meeting. He said, after this, and we're talking about the house of God, and God has a plan, and there has to be ingredients in God's house. Grace, the, we're saved by grace, is in the house. God's presence, that's part of the plan, part of the purpose. He says, after this, Amos prophesying, I will return. God returning to the earth, I will rebuild or I will set up or I will put into order the tabernacle of David. So not the mosaic, that there would be blood sacrifices, never, never the mosaic sacrifice again, uh, where animals were sacrificed. Um, and and uh, John the Baptist said, behold to Jesus, behold a lamb of the world that takes away the sin of the world. Those were pictures foreshadowing and helping us understand what uh, Jesus would do. But he is rebuilding, not Solomon's temple, but David's temple. And what was it about David's house that was so important that God said, I want that 
in my house at the end of the age. On Mount Gilboa, while David uh, had gone and gotten the ark, he had rescued the ark from the Philistines. He says, it's not right that we're having church without the presence of God. The ark representing the presence of God. And you can read about it. It's just such a great story in, uh, in a historic book, several places in the Old Testament. And I alluded to it last week that we're to shoulder God's presence, and we do that by worshiping God. And David brings God's presence into his temple that he built for God the meeting place where God was. While on Mount Gilboa, they were still sacrificing animals without presence. But in David's tabernacle, there was, there was um, like a hundred, like thousands in the instrumental uh, section. People sometimes say, why is it loud at church? Because God likes it loud. Um, it, it, if you look at and read the scriptures, it's just the volume of intensity to say, God, we love you in the tabernacle of David. And David showed us how we're to worship and praise God. And so we, we, we call it Davidic or psalmic worship. And that's what we participate in here at Harvest. And we love it. And we, it's part of the plan because that's what God said I want in my house. An expression of Holy Spirit's power because we're a worshiping people. And let me pause there. This has been my favorite scripture for many, many, many years. But I'm really embarrassed to say for the years, we're 20 years old as a church, and for years I put a period there. And I said that we just love God's presence, so we'll just, we'll just gather and we'll be a part of having God's presence. And we love the Holy Spirit and we love God's power. And, and, and Sherry, Sherry got healed and we love healing and let's just pray for each other. And, you know, we're, people are getting healed. And all this stuff was happening, but nobody was finding Jesus at harvest. We sure were being blessed. Man, we were being blessed. And during part of our history, man, there was some really crazy stuff that the Holy Spirit was doing. Because we went and visited a great church in Toronto, and we brought that Toronto blessing back, it was called. And even more, we just, we just hung out. We were just like all about presence, because that's what God wants in his house. He wants presence, and we're to be Holy Spirit people. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if we're crazy, and we just, we just want to be more presence, we became a bless me club. God bless me, bless me, bless me. This is so great. Bless me some more, God. And I put the end of this scripture in the wrong place. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. So we're setting up the, hand, the, pl the plan of God. So that, <laughs> say so that. Say it with unction. The rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and not us having a bless me club. And that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in churches like ours where we value so much that there would be evidence of God's presence and power, but God said, I'm actually in the house so that you can point to something. When someone who doesn't know me comes into the power, and we've heard this story over and over, of people who go, I don't know what it is. I just cry a lot when I'm in the service. Or they go, what, what, what is that? Like, there's like energy in the room. We're going, that's the spirit of God. He's real and he's alive and he loves you. And he showed up today because he wants you to find him. And there he is and he's so easy to see and feel and know. And they hear a proclamation of the gospel and they go, oh yeah, God loves me. God forgives me. I want that. 
And God's house was designed so that the presence of God is in the house, not so we can have a bless me club. It's so that there is a place where people can come, the gate of heaven. And I think we should be uh, sharing our faith with our friends and our family and our coworkers. And I, I think that is amazing and that is awesome. But statistically, the highest statistically place where people find Jesus is still in a service under the cloud of God's presence that people are going, it is real. I sense something. This is powerful. And I want this in my life. That as Christians, we're saying, not only do we covet and long for the presence of God in our midst. It's so that somebody that doesn't know Jesus. In other words, it's not for us. It's for the rest of the people who don't know him yet. And we embrace that with both hands and both feet here at Harvest. Very important verse for us. We say that we want people to know God, not intellectually, but experientially. Now, putting those two things together, I want to go to a parable that Jesus taught about a great banquet. And today, this is um, Heart for the House. I'm a bringer, and I say it with a Portuguese accent, bringer, because Pastor Frank Satius, who's a, a part of our leadership team here, uh, is Portuguese, and uh, when he says bringer, he says it that way. And uh, he told me years ago he was coming. We were still meeting downstairs. And we were getting ready to launch into two services upstairs. We were downstairs, but we were going to another level I feel like God's wanting to rehearse some of these things for us as we're getting ready to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And so he was, uh, I was talking to him, and I said, what are you preaching on today? Oh, he said, I'm going to preach on being a brinker. I said, bring a what? A brinker. Frank, help me out. Say it in English, will you please? Bringer. <laughs> he says, you know, you bring people to church. You are a bringer. <laughs> and I went, and I went, oh. <laughs> and he taught out of this uh, parable, and I want to share it with you. Uh, I want to share it with you to, uh, today. As we understand, as we, as we get ready to be a, a church together that has two services. You're not attending a church that has two services. We are a church with two services. And in order to understand that and really leverage what I believe our next step, we need to understand these principles. So Jesus tells us uh, uh, they, were having a, they were having this big banquet, and so he uses it as a teaching point. A certain man was preparing a great banquet, invi invited, he invited, that's the important word, invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, come, for everything's now ready. Uh, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, uh, I just bought a field, and I, I must go see it. Pretty legitimate excuse. I mean, you Landowners, if you didn't go, and man, I, I just I can't go to the meeting. I, I'm sure the banquet's great, but um, I have a busy life, and 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 if I don't go protect this new land, I'll I'll lose it. You know, the bandits will come in, someone will steal it. So I, I gotta go. I gotta go put the fence around my new my my new field. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Well, that's like buying a new convertible Mustang, and. It's lots of horsepower. This is a huge, I mean, I, I have something else planned. Please excuse me, said another. I just got married. I can't come. Well, honeymoons, I mean, I, I guess it's legit, you know. They didn't go to the banquet. The servant came back and reported this to his master, and then the owner of the house became angry. You have to ask, ask a question, angry at what? And most of us, I think, would say angry at the people who had excuses, who were invited and didn't come to the party. 
And I think that's a misrepresentation of God because the picture of this uh, banquet, the person who's throwing this great banquet is God. And I don't think he's angry that they had excuses. I think that speaks of people that a simple invitation, hey, you want to come? And churches all across North America, and that would be, I'm more familiar with the North American, many churches have a sign somewhere that says, welcome, open to everybody. And they have service week after week after week inside, expecting the sign of invitation, welcome to all, to be sufficient that people would think that there's something going on in there that might be better than all of these things that we do called life, important things, things that happen on Sunday. And that we would just have this expectation that people, because we invited them or put a welcome sign out, that they should come. I'm going to go a step further, and some of you are not going to like what I'm going to say. And some of these churches are talking about this word called revival. And they're praying inside their churches that have a welcome sign on the outside where they've invited the world to come. But nobody's coming. What we need is revival. That's what we need. And I, I want to be careful because I don't, I'm not against the word. It's a Bible word. I'm not against the word. And it's, it really speaks about awakenings where people have a spiritual awakening. But there are many churches praying for revival and what they think that's an easy way for them not to do what we've been called to do, to continue coming for services, and that's how somehow God's going to do this hocus-pocus, abracadabra, magic thing over our region, and everybody's just going to start blindly coming to church because it's, it's a revival. Yeah, it's quiet. It doesn't make sense, does it? That doesn't make sense. And God sometimes has had to nudge the church and go, Wow, you know, if, I, I mean, I can, I will work outside the house, but no revival's ever been sustained. And people are now saying, well, this, this, there's a big one coming. And I believe there is an end, end of the day outpouring, but it's that all the Gentiles will seek the Lord in the house of God. And we're going to see this parable, not because they were invited, not because we put a sign out and said, welcome, not because we yelled at people who were sinners. We're going to look at this in a minute and expected them to be not sinners when they've never heard the message of love or God's grace. And so the invitation doesn't work. And the master knew it didn't work, and that's why he's angry, because there's no one at the party. And he designed this banquet to be attended. The owner of the house ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in, bringer, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And let me finish this with a couple thoughts, five thoughts here I have that I'll go through fairly quickly. And help us understand that we're not just bringing people to the house of God. We, we're going to do this. We're going to see. But as a church, we have a bringer mentality. And that is that we have to understand that if the unchurched are coming into harvest, an invitation or a welcome sign isn't going to cut down the barriers. That we literally have to walk with them through this process, as we've as we've seen over these years. That's so important. Let's quickly go through it. Um, first of all, why would they have to be physically brought into the party? They believe they don't belong at that party. And what's being described as the owner of this of this ranch and this banquet, great banquet uh, uh, person is throwing this great party. 
is that in that society, uh, these people would not, they would just, they would just say, I don't belong there. How many people have you met when you start talking about church, they will tell you, oh, I, I could never go to church. And when you ask them why, it's because they don't feel like they could ever belong. And somebody gave them the rule book before they gave them a relationship with Jesus. And they're looking at the rule book going, <laughs> I would never belong there. How many are here sitting this morning and you thought you could never belong in the house of God? Let me just see your hand. Wave it around. And thank you for your honesty and candidness. I'm so glad you found out you did. And so there's a mentality outside of God's house that we have built over the years that you don't belong here unless you have it all together. Unless, because church is for Christians. So if you're not a Christian or you're not interested in being a Christian, why would you go to church? Go somewhere else. It's ludicrous, and yet that is in the makeup that people who don't know Jesus don't belong at church. That is the subliminal message that we send. We've got to not have that subliminal message. And so what do we do? We're going to go out and find those people and tell them how awesome it is in the house of God. And would you come with me to the house? They have to be brought in. And that either is physically or that is by a spirit of them feeling welcome. Number two. Oh, by the way, that's why we embrace the phrase, you can belong here before you believe in Jesus. You can belong in church before you believe. That has made for some messy moments in these years, but they've been so fun. Number two, it says that they were poor. And this is not the working poor. This is a person who is sitting on a sidewalk begging for their existence day by day. And if someone doesn't give them something that day, that's their last day. You know how many people, they're not poor physically, they're professionals, they make a lot of money, or they don't, but it's not about money. It's about living a life that's so mundane, so empty, so meaningless, that there's a cry in the human heart that says, I don't know if I can make it one more day. Suicide rates exceeding rates that we've ever seen them. Overdoses in our city, exceeding numbers that we've ever, ever seen them. And it, it, it's not one strata of, of the socioeconomic ladder. It's all people. Why? Because people in their hearts say, I feel like I'm begging for a very existence. But what if they found out there was one who said, I've come to give you life and give it to the full and what if they didn't need a sermon to get there? What if they just needed to come into the house of God and find out there was a safe place that they could sit and experience the power of God? And it takes a week, a month, a year, two. We have stories. That there are people, it's been two years before they raise their hand and go, today's my day. Because they finally got to that place where they realized this is real. This is real. And I don't have to go one more day wondering if there's more. I'm going, to, I'm going to receive the more of the kingdom. Number three, they're crippled. Something has happened to them. This word means that there's been a situation in their life that has brought huge injury. Worse, they've lost a limb or crushed a limb in an accident. That's, that's what this word is. 
I, I don't know about you, but as I get talking to people, um, and people don't seem to be as private as they used to be. Uh, I'll be 60 in August, and kind of I grew up, people are private, they don't talk, but I, I'm finding that people are very open to talk about, we've kind of created a culture now where it's okay to talk about mental illness, it's okay to talk about things, and people do. And you listen and hear the amount of pain that people live in every day, all day long. And it, like, like a limb that's been crushed, something has happened to them. Something's taken place in their life. And they carry it through life as if it's supposed to just be a part of them. And yet, the one who said, throw a banquet and a party. And if Jesus were at that party, do you think he would let the maim and someone who has had horrific abuse or terrible things take place in their life, that he wouldn't heal them? And send them on their way knowing that you don't have to be marked by what has taken place in life, scarred by experiences that Jesus went to the cross for. Yeah, this, this gospel is powerful. As I look across this room this morning, I, I know some of your stories. I know some of the abuse that's taken place. I know people, some of your journeys that when you came to Harvest and you thought, there were, it, it sounds too good to be true, but today you're walking in freedom. Why? Because you were maimed. You came to the house of God. Somebody brought you. And your crushed arm or crushed leg, not literally, but the thing that happened to your life that changed how you live has been healed. And you're finding freedom. They're blind. This is the part that I, I, I'll try not to get on the, on the soapbox. I just can't stand when I see churches in the media that think it's their job to yell and scream at the unchurched about their mora morta morality, about their lifestyle. It so misrepresents the heart of God. And I want to choke them all, except that wouldn't be the right thing to do. Pastor kills other people in other churches as, as they scream at people who embrace alternative lifestyles. They're blind. Not literally, and that's not condescending. The scriptures say they do not understand what God wrote in his Bible because their eyes have not been opened. They have not experienced God's life. Have somebody experience God's life and the scriptures become known and watch transformation take place. But we're expecting transformation and there are, there are churches that yell and scream at sin wanting it to stop being sinful because they themselves are uncomfortable with it. They don't know what to do with it because they've isolated themselves in these little, what they think are sinless, perfection little places where they're hiding out until Jesus comes back. When Jesus is saying, would you please go out and find someone who doesn't understand spiritual things at all and take them by the hand and say, I want to be your friend. Come with me to the house of God. And then they go, well, I've never heard anything like that before. And maybe they heard it a thousand times, but they heard it now in the house of God, in the gate of heaven. The presence of God was there. They were accepted because God accepts them. And then God said, let's watch and see something happen. They are lame. They would come if they could, but they have no way to get here. And I'm not talking about a car. <laughs> 
There are people longing to be asked and included, to be invited into a conversation. They just would never do it in and of themselves. Christina and I were at Dr. Navin Elon's garden party yesterday. She's our neighbor and, and uh, um, she gives us complimentary tickets. <laughs> And so we go. We get to see people that we normally wouldn't see and we watch. And it's just, it's kind of amazing. And even in that setting of people uh, that are, many of them leaders in our, in our city and, and professional people, that there are people who are very quiet and more introverted and are very happy just to sit back. And then there are people that are very extroverted and want to engage in conversation. But there are many people that are that quiet and reserved and they're just waiting for somebody to say, hey, would you come to church with me? Would you come on a journey? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. And I, and I think that's where we are as a church. And we've been doing this for a number of years now. But, say but, there's still room. That verse kills me. Then the master told his servant, go out in the roads and the country lanes. Go to Lunenburg. Go to Morrisburg. Go to Alexandria and compel them to come in so that my house will be... Try it again. So my house will be... I tell you, not one of them who were invited will get a taste, but the ones who were brought will Harvest, in these weeks as we're getting ready for this fall, I'm challenging you last week, go from pillow to pillar if you've not set your life up in the house of God, saying, in the presence of God, I won't just enjoy it. Bless me, Lord. But Lord, I want to be part of the instrument that brings people in to experience what I've experienced. Understanding that there are people coming that need our help to get here that wouldn't get here any other way. Next week, I want to talk to you about our dream team. Who actually prepares the food here at this banquet? <laughs> Who's behind the scenes that makes this banquet so, so amazing? Amazing team called the Dream Team. And if you're part of this house, we ask everyone to be a part of our Dream Team. And there's a method in that madness. Uh, it's part of God's plan. It's part of how God did it with his disciples. And we'll look at that next week. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you for your grace to let me go a little bit longer as I'm unpacking kind of these teachings. Um, and uh, they kind of go into the archives. They go into the atmosphere. They go into your heart, and they go into our archives so we can remember as we move forward these, these kind of drive the stake down in the ground. These are, these are stake markers for this house. This is what we do and why we do it. So thank you for your grace this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed. So Holy Spirit's just talking last week about who, who would say yes. And today, who would say yes? to being a part of creating atmospheres in this church. So it's not always literally bringing somebody, but always somebody could be here and belong and experience. And yes, there are times where we are literally bringing people. Father, I pray that you would help us hear the cry as you told that parable. The invitation isn't going to work. Makes me mad. <laughs> We're going to be bringers. Father, that's our heart, that's our spirit, that's what harvest is. We've been doing it 
but the house isn't full. Job's not done. Lord, give us the grace now, all of us, all hands on deck, to be a part of what you're doing. Just before we have worship and dismiss this service, I just wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there anyone in this room that you've come and you've heard, you heard today why we do this? We do it for you. That you might be sitting here and you've never invited Jesus into your life. You didn't know that you could have a personal relationship with Jesus. If, you're, if that's you today, if you're online, I want you to text right now. I'm making a decision. In the room, you can, you can just signify to me that you're making a decision by raising your hand wherever you are in this room, and I'll see your hand. Just lift it now. I want to pray with you today to receive Jesus. Is there anyone in the room, either online or in the room? I don't see any hands today, but for the sake of someone who, who may be online, let's pray this prayer together, Harvest. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you, Thank you that you had me come to the party. That you had me come to the party. I, receive I receive you today. I repent from going my way. I, I go your way today. Forgive my sin. I receive your new life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we believe you're born again. Let's just sing this before you're dismissed. physical, mental, any needs at all. We want to stand with you today and believe God for miracles. Uh, have an amazing week, Harvest. God bless you. We'll see you next week.